Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast, where we ask, what if we ranked every X-Men story from A to Z? What if I was Adam? Then I would be Zach. <laughs> that seems reasonable to us. Guys, assume. welcome to Battle of the Atom. <laughs> this, is, this is the same podcast you've listened to before, hopefully. If this is your first episode, okay. <laughs> I mean, great. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. Yeah, what if we had new listeners? I don't know. Listen, <laughs> we try with every episode to be like, here's the hook for a new listener. I don't know anyone who's simping for these stories this week, <laughs> but darn it, Adam. We are covering very specifically mid-2000s what-if issues. <laughs> it's, a, it's its own breed of crazy, but uh, we definitely have some fun stuff. Well, I don't know if fun is the right word, but uh, we definitely have some interesting takes here to take a look at today. We've got we've got some things that truly do exist. Yes. And these are comics that the Marvel Comics did publish. Yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, and these are coming to... That's all I know! <laughs> These are coming to us thanks to who? Oh, these are coming to us from... Listen, listen, Adam. I try, and I, I think this is a good thing. I try not to play favorites with our Patreon supporters. Mm, that's wise. It is. This is coming to us from our favorite Patreon supporter, <laughs> Asimov Fangirl, who went on over to Patreon.com and said, Folks, I'd like to give you some money, and then you can talk about... Uh, Wolverine Enemy of the State. But then we already talked about Wolverine Enemy of the State. So she said, hey, uh, y'all want to talk about... She doesn't have that accent. I've met her. She's an incredibly lovely person. <laughs> uh, she does not have a uh, bad Texas accent. But she didn't say, y'all want to talk about what if Enemy of the State <laughs> of the Wolverine story? So that's what we're doing. We want to be like Asimov Fangirl, and frankly, who wouldn't? First, become cheerful and joyful and like all of my tweets, no matter how bad they are. And then number two, <laughs> go over to patreon.com slash comicsxf, throw a couple of dollars into our coffers and say, hey, folks, we like what you're doing over at the ComicsXF website, and we would love to give you some money. And then we'll do an episode for you. That's all. It's, it's a very simple transaction. Also, I haven't mentioned this. You know you get ad-free episodes of the show? Yeah. Do people know that? What? Wait, we don't have ads. It's early. It's early episodes <laughs> of the show. Why? Why did I? <laughs> all those, all you know, you those Casper mattress ads are just edited out for. <laughs> Listen, the thing is, Adam, Stamps. I got to talk com. to you about. <laughs> Adam, I'm here for the people, and I'm wanting to talk to you about Squarespace. <laughs> now, the thing about Squarespace is that they aren't paying us, and I don't even use Squarespace for the site. That's right. Uh, which means I need to pay for the site somehow. So yeah. y'all want to throw some money, and then I can use my money that I earn from my job at work to pay for the site, and then your money can go towards all the people who actually do the cool stuff on the site. And that's a great that's a great system. That Asimov Fangirl has found her way to the top of the list of contributors for in spirit yeah this is the uh, comics xf economy if you will so uh participate liberally 
And uh, I am mad at Asimov. Or conservatively, just in terms of your spending, like we're <laughs> we're not gonna we're not gonna go fiscally and make some judgments. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. I have I have I have a master's degree in business. I can have p- opinions on fiscal policy. <laughs> Next episode is not all about personal budgeting policy. and balancing your check. Um. <laughs> Next episode's guest is going to be Ben Bernanke, actually, from the Fed. And we're going to have a really exciting time. Big Deadpool uh, fan. Going to talk to him. Yeah, Ben Bernanke, known Deadpool fan. Uh, no, y'all, I'm excited. I'm excited. Next episode is Deadpool in the yield curve. That's all we're going to talk about the whole time. It's going to be... Micro and macroeconomics. It's going to be great. Micro and macro. We're going to hit them all. We're going to see what's going on with the world trends in import-export and what's hitting your wallet. Oh, you know, uh, as mad as... What if this was an economy (laughs) podcast? I listened to multiple of them, actually, so I could see it happening. I think people would get real mad real quick. Just like me when I learned what Asimov requested, uh, and now we have to talk about What If Enemy of the State, written by Jimmy Robinson... But uh, illustrated by Carmine D. Gian Domenico, and uh, oh boy, this is this is not fun. You know, I mean, I don't. You remember when was we... Enemy of the State even fun? It had that JRJR art I kind of liked, but yikes! Enemy of the State is probably too long. Definitely has its problems. I can see where someone has fun reading Enemy of the State. <laughs> I am. Here's why this is a weird one. Because what if featuring Wolverine, Enemy of the State, asks, what if the ending of Enemy of the State, where Wolverine becomes a good guy again and fights Hydra, didn't happen, and instead they just continued the first part of Enemy of the State, where Wolverine is a bad guy and kills people? Mm-hmm. But that's just Enemy of the State. Well, this this is going to come up over and over again as we go through this episode. You know, normally in volumes one and two of What If, they asked a question. You know, what if Professor Xavier was the juggernaut? What if Magneto took over the United States of America? These that we're talking about today are basically what if, and then they insert the title of a story. And we don't really have a question. So you're not sure where you're jumping in. But this one is basically about Kitty, Magneto, uh, Sue Storm, and a very um, dismembered Captain America trying to, I guess, trap and kill the enemy of the state Wolverine. But it's really just one of those what-if issues where, and this is kind of in keeping with the original series, where you just allow a character to just kill lots of characters, which is exactly what enemy of the state was, really. Yeah, I believe I believe we gave account of at minimum the people that Wolverine does murder in Enemy of the State. It's just an insurmountable number. Thousands. It's a lot of people. This you're right, it is a time honored tradition in what ifs to have our hero or villain or whoever kill everybody. That happens in this. You see a lot of the deaths. One that I think is dumb and I want to point out while I'm thinking about it is you see, you see how he, you see him kill Luke Cage. Luke Cage is protecting the president, which at this, I guess, Luke Cage really wanted to make sure that Wolverine did not get to George W. Bush. Which, fine, okay, I get. 
<laughs> if the president of the United States dies, it's going to cause a lot of problems. And do we really want Dick Cheney to be the actual president? So the secret president? Who knows? There's a lot of what ifs there. Sure. Uh, Wolverine, Wolverine slashes at Luke Cage and Luke Cage says that my one thing is that you can't cut me. I have unbreakable skin. So Wolverine kicks him in the nuts and then it just implies that he's able to stab him good enough to kill him, which is it's a weird choice. Like no one would have questioned where Luke Cage was if you didn't ask, hey, how does Wolverine kill Luke Cage and then not explain it? That's a bad job, James <laughs> Robinson. You did a bad one there. <laughs> Yeah, it's a weird transition from uh, nut nut kick to Luke died saving the president on national TV. You're like, okay, <laughs> sure. It's really, it's really bad, actually. Like, it's come on, guys. Yeah. So, in no short order, Wolverine kills uh, what Spider Man, Moon Knight, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, uh, and then they've set this trap for him. In which I guess they're going to encase him in this like titanium box or whatever, right? And Kitty's kind of the bait. But Wolverine plays uh, Ninja Turtle here and digs under the facility, stabs Sue Storm in the feet, and just goes on a rampage, kills everybody. The, the Magneto kill is also pretty stupid. Yeah, okay, let's talk about this. Because Magneto makes a point and says, Wolverine, buddy... I control metal. You're made of metal. And then again, Wolverine just kind of says, yeah, but not enough, and then stabs him. <laughs> well, and that's weird. Well, Wolverine yep. is equipped with a Hydra teleporter here. So, great. But one might assume that even if he was able to teleport around, Magneto, the master of metal, might be able to do something about that. But I guess not. If only there was an iconic cover showing Magneto <laughs> making a Magneto force field with his magnet powers. Right. And, in fact, if only there weren't multiple covers of that. Yeah. If only that wasn't a thing we just knew, that Magneto can make, like, magnet force fields with magnetism power. I assume if I'm Magneto and I am trying to do this. In in fact, they're talking about his magnetism force field in that scene mm -hmm. now that I say this out loud. So what are you doing, James Robinson? Does you're 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 poking holes in your own story that no one would have noticed if you didn't start poking them. <laughs> Uh, well, the story culminates with Kitty uh, really believing that there's a little bit of Wolverine left in there, and uh, turns out there isn't. So she phases uh, into his skull and melts his hand to his face? No, 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 no. The Carmen D. Monaco's art is very confusing here. I thought the same thing, and I had to look at it a little closer. What she actually does is punches him in the face, Yeah. phases has her hand in his head, and then he, as he is cutting her, she unfazes and then has her hand, like, stuck uh, in his head. And he cuts off her arm, but it doesn't matter. Okay. See, that's not really illustrated it's, here, though. Like, it's, no, it's, it's, you have to put together the pieces of what happened because it's very unclear. And, like, Carmine DiGiromonaco is not my favorite artist in the world, but, like, talented artist not a bad artist right yeah yeah um it's this but this is a bad sequence yeah and uh the I, I you're right i mean the core problem here is the story isn't very good and the script isn't great either you know like the end panel is 
uh, Nick Fury t- like pointing at a screen of a very sad Kitty Pride and saying she just had to let go. And it's like, well, what? Wait a minute. We we didn't set this up with any expectation of what Kitty. What you know, like usually that would be the it's, line that would acknowledge the sort of catharsis that this character has gone through or the epiphany. And th- there is none of that here. She had to let go of her feelings that Wolverine could maybe be a good guy. I guess, you know, but it, you know, it's like a very awkward, weird line to end on. So, um, like you said, it's weird. I like Carmine's art. I, I think that the, the artwork is actually pretty cool, but the script's not doing it any favors. And I don't really understand what this is adding to the story uh, don't think it usually a what if story at least twists things in a way that you're like oh that's kind of interesting or that's kind of cool but this is like you said it's just oh let's do the first half of enemy state again and i get it enemy of the state sold a billion copies but mm. folks don't like it maybe do better stories <laughs> i don't know 2006 was a bad year for all of us and it was a bad year for what if all right so adam we're gonna rank this and uh the original enemy of the state is down at 466. I think we can see, well, 466 out of how many? Uh, oh, yes, we have to introduce our giant list. Uh, what are we up to now? Six, oh, of the, the 651, the 651 stories on the road to 500, 600, the road to 700 now, folks. Uh, 700 X-Men stories that we have ranked and talked about, starting from best to worst with the House of X Powers of 10 at number 1, uh, Early Frost from Uncanny 314 at number 100, uh, the Continuities issue of X-Men First Class at number 200, that's... We haven't talked about the Continuities in a while. That's the those are the teens who have a magic comic shop where they get to read uh, forward-looking issues of X Men and then help the X Men do the thing. You should bring them back. It's weird. Dupe shows up at one point and they beautifully say Dupe did not appear in the '60s. So <laughs> what is he doing here? Continuity is all messed up. Uh, number three hundred on our list is the trial of Hank McCoy from Uncanny 600. Number four hundred on our list is the mystery in Madripoor. Uh, that's from the not the death of Wolverine, the search for Wolverine, hunt for Wolverine, hunt for Wolverine. There you go. Number 500 is the secret invasion issues of X factor. She Hulk, uh, number 600 is Magneto Rex. <laughs> and then the Draco is at the bottom. You had mentioned enemy of the States at four 66. This is worse. This is definitely worse. I think we're at the very least in 500s territory. Um, I'm working my way down down and this isn't as good as journey into, into mystery the birth of krakoa at 518 oh no 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 in fact i just am i'm working my way down um now i'm getting to like the low 500s i don't think this is good as wolverine 98 to 100 furnace of his mind anvil of his heart it's not as good as furnace of his mind <laughs> anvil of his heart that has a little rat who's a dude with a skull on his back <laughs> um <laughs> Don't think it's as good this as this is probably better than than five ninety one. What if the X Men had lost Inferno from What If number six? Yeah, that's probably fair. I don't think it's as good as the Savage Land uh, arc from Wolverine Volume Two sixty nine to seventy one, which is five eighty seven. Yeah, I think the Soul Sword trilogy is better than this. Yeah, I think so too. Um, Quicken the Dead at five eighty nine from X Factor. I, I don't know what your feelings are, 
I think Quick and the Dead at least tries to tell a story. Yeah, yeah. And I'll give it that nod over over this. However, right below that at 590 is X-Men and the Micronauts. I think we found it. That one's bad. Yeah, I think we found yeah, it. Yeah, that one's bad. That one's bad. Hey, this will be our new 590. Great. Just bump that one down a spot. Yeah, that sounds good. You know... What if Wolverine Enemy of the State? Good job, folks. We got another one coming. Yeah. Adam, you, you were going to do a segue. Go, <laughs> pretend I didn't talk. Seg in. Segue. Segue, my man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I would read that one. But uh, I I don't know. You might want to read this next one. Uh, you know, Vulcan has been in uh, more of a main character in X-Men Red. And we are getting some more Vulcan here. This is What If Deadly Genesis. Again, a what if that is not actually asking a question? Okay, okay, okay. Hold on. I want to put a pin in this. We're gonna we're gonna enter spoiler corner real quick. Spoiler corner. It's not a thing we normally do. Hey, bud, wasn't X Men Red number three dope? I haven't read it yet. Do <laughs> Adam. Adam. <laughs> Adam, go read X Men Red number three. It rules. Hey, you, 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 you like Vulcan, right? No, sure. You don't. I hate him. Okay, you. Yeah. No, that's fine. That actually helps out here. Uh, you like our friends? You did you read X Men Red number two? Yes. So I know it's coming. So you know that you know that Vulcan is going to challenge Tarn, Tarn the Uncaring for the seat of Lost yes. in the Great Ring of Aroka Araco. Yes. Well, let's just say it rules. <laughs> it's so good. You need you need to Adam. When we're done here, I need you to read this comic. You specifically will love it. I bet. Um, there's a. There's a bit, there's a bit that I didn't know how they were going to do it, and then they did it, and then I just sat there cackling because Al Ewing is very good. I, I uh, So Stefano Castelli, did, it's great, great comic, go read did it. Did I see uh, Al Ewing tweet that he was getting a Lego space tattoo? I was just dying. <laughs> yeah, Al, Al Ewing, Al Ewing's getting a tattoo, it's the Lego Spaceman logo, but in bisexual flag colors. Amazing, just, just like god levels ever, tier right there you ever think about you ever think about how al ewing came out as bisexual uh and for coincidentally his picture which it had been for like two years on twitter was a picture from the first issue of hulk where it asks is he man is he monster and then the part that he cropped out for his picture is he both <laughs> Very good. Al Ewing rules. That was Al Ewing. Al Ewing. Here's the thing, folks. Everyone's been asking why hasn't Al Ewing been on the podcast, and here's why: because I listened to podcast interviews with Al Ewing for years and years, and he had the absolute worst audio setup, and I wasn't going to do that to all of us. <laughs> My understanding is that this has been resolved. So, Alistair, you know, let's do we'll this talk. thing. We'll talk. I, I know, I know you're Alistair. I know you're listening. Uh, I don't, I don't know if his name's Alistair. It's something British, though. Hey, he didn't write What If X-Men Deadly Genesis, though. No, and officially, once you do the page turn, um, I, I will give this credit. David Hine does ask a question. What if Xavier's secret, secret second team had survived? So the idea here is that uh, Vulcan is now, you know, they've survived the events of uh, Krakoa and, you know... They've come back, and now Vulcan is like, he's a, he's a superhero superstar. You know, he's on TV, he's the leader of the X-Men, Cyclops is kind of a bum. 
Uh, and there's like a, a little bit of a, you know, Peter Milligan ecstatics kind of thing going on here, but, uh, it's dark. It is interesting. So yeah, David Hind writes it. David Hind, who you might remember from like District X, Silent War, if that's your thing. Uh, the 198, he was around for a bit. Mm -hmm. It's David Hind and David Yardine, uh, who's a really good artist, actually. I like, I like Yardine's stuff. Uh, they're doing this one. And I think it's interesting. So, as we know in Deadly Genesis, there's a secret team that's Vulcan, Sway, Petra, and Darwin. Mm -hmm. And they have to go to Krakoa to save the X-Men from Krakoa because Krakoa was... Krakoa missed their wife, is what I assume <laughs> it was. It was Krakoa was having a bad time being, being split from Arako. Uh, back, remembering back when they were the one land. Yes. <laughs> Arako. It's a reasonable assumption given Arakura. the retcon. You know? I mean, let's just, let's just pretend. We haven't said anything. Let's just pretend. Listen, sometimes an island misses their wife. And yes. That's fine. Sometimes. I miss my wife sometimes. Like, I get it, island. I've never... <laughs> kidnap children and try to eat them but you do you hey krakoa's Live your truth krakoa's hungry and that's what he eats that's what it eats and sometimes you know when a krakoa wants to wrap its little viney uh you know peninsula uh against a, another one you know like the tails and avatar that's just kind of what krakoa does <laughs> man it, was that too much krakoa was such a <laughs> No, it's beautiful. Krakoa was such a dumb footnote in comics. Like, this is why we have the giant. Set. Okay, that's a that one's weird. Uh, I love that Krakoa has now turned into no. The dumb island is the most important thing. You fools! You fools! Oh, it's good. It's good. But no, Vulcan's a celebrity for all of this. Yeah, but he Except. holds a very dark secret, uh, which we don't know about until they find Krakoa in space, space, space. Yeah, so it turns out um, Vulcan accidentally killed all of the original X-Men, <laughs> like really bad, and then lied about it and replaced everyone's memories. It was like, the island's about to explode <laughs> and ran away and then became the biggest superhero in the world. Cyclops, when he finds out. Because he's the only one who survived, as we know. Cyclops. Less than thrilled with his brother. Yeah. Well, Cyclops is kind of... He's turned into a sad colossus. Uh, he sculpts. He's turned into Cyclops from the start of Wolverine and the X-Men, the animated series, guys. <laughs> he's he's doing that one. He's sculpting with his eye blasts, which just cracks me up. Like, no, you're not. <laughs> He has these different it's, visor on that I guess is like precision work. I don't know. I I I thought that was a nice touch. Oh, like I get I it. like it, He's but a sad like boy. you know, Mister Geometry. It's I don't silly. Think. Anyway, Darwin shuts off Vulcan's access to his powers, so they don't kill him, but they just like demutify him. And then and then they throw him on an island into space where he has to relive all of his memories and all of his worst actions because all Vulcan really wanted was to be loved and to be the hero that he thought he could be. And that's oddly in line with what we get in Deadly Genesis proper. Like, I understand where David Hine, like, drew the lines and said, oh, this this is with the Vulcan that we have in 2006, this is a trajectory the character could have gone. 
it's very weird with the Vulcan as he has evolved into chaotic space emperor god man <laughs> it is uh it's like oh okay yeah you know i like this take on the character though you know this is sort of uh I, i've been watching the boys season three and this is kind of like a a milder homelander take on uh on the vulcan but i do think that the the i okay vulcan killed the the silver age x-men all right, he needs to be punished, but I do think that it's like to to get his food to eat to survive, he has to go and repeat his his crime. And I'm just like that's really mean. I mean, <laughs> it's I guess it could be worse, but you like put the dude in a bubble on Krakoa floating in space and are just torturing him for eternity until he decides, I guess he doesn't want to eat and starve to death. It is a, it is a weirdly <laughs> like, it is torturous in a way that's like, y'all, if you would have just put him in a prison, prison's bad, but you, you made it so much worse. <laughs> just and you think this is the more moral option than shooting him well that's that's the thing like the heroes are doing something that's really cruel and unethical to this this uh it's just the worst which i get you know but it's 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 a revenge as opposed to i don't know anyway uh you know actually i actually i don't hate this i think it makes for an interesting story no this one this one is at least trying to do something different. I think structurally there's some issues with it. Like, I don't know why they spend the first half of the book recapping Deadly Genesis. Sure. I don't... If you picked this book up and you hadn't already read Deadly Genesis, I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, it is a what-if book, and it is it has the branding right on the cover. So does does seem to require some prerequisite reading. But it's certainly not as bad as the first story we talked about by any means. No, I think it's I think it's an interesting one-off idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, it lets you build up who this hero is, and then immediately pulls the rug out from you and said, "Actually, no, it's Vulcan. He still sucks, guys. <laughs> He's still bad." Uh, so we have the original Deadly Genesis at four thirty-one, and I think that's better than this. I don't know if it's that much better than this, though. Yeah, they're like, they're on similar ground, right? Like Daydreamers is at four forty one, and I think this is better than Daydreamers. Sure, I think this might be better than uh, the second volume of Storm at four forty. Uh, let's see. Ooh, I think I know. This is probably better than the first appearance of Gambit, which is just a very messy arc, but not as good as the G Nation arc, plus also Rogue and Iceman's uh, great road trip. That's a great place for it. So that would make this our new 439. And uh, if you're a Vulcan fan, this this is one you should check out. If you're a Vulcan fan, who hurt you? (laughs) I don't know. But... You know, you should Ed Rubraker, I guess. I I don't know. You should somebody, somebody. Would would Ed Brubaker? I think Ed Brubaker would appreciate this more than he would like it. Mm, maybe. Ed, if you would like to come on the podcast, there's not a reason I've been ignoring you. I think I can find your email address. I just don't think you want to talk about X Men. Honestly, you want to talk about good crime comics. For dads, and as a dad who has read a lot of Edward Baker crime comics this year, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, we've got one Adam, 
do you, do you really want to do that? Do you really want to interview Ed Brubaker? I mean, we, I mean, we, I, I mean, sure. We could talk if Ed Brew if Ed Brubaker wants to talk about Deadly Genesis. I'll talk about Deadly Genesis. Let's do with it, Ed Brubaker. All day yeah, long. that'd be great. Hold on, <laughs> let let's let me email. Hey, Ed, I know you're very. I know criminals. Those are fun. Do you want to talk about the rise and fall of the Shi'ar Empire? <laughs> I have questions, Edward. <laughs> Love Ed Brubaker. Uh, what a guy. All right. Well, we've got one last what if. Uh, and this is what if astonishing X-Men that I uh, guess kind of asks two questions. This is more of a, um, I, I don't know what you would call this. Uh, it's a what if compilation? Sure. What if compilation. Hey, you know what's missing from all of these? Well, actually, wait. I think he's not missing from this one. Watcher. The Watcher is in this one, right? Briefly, I want to say. Yes. Anyway. Yes. The Watcher does his Watcher thing in this one at one point. Oh, yeah. No, he does intro and outro it. All right. Because the first two didn't have the Watcher. I was like, well, that, that you know, he's he's missing out on his What If contract. It's weird. There was. Did you watch the TV show What If? Because I really just didn't. I watched the uh, first couple of episodes. I think I watched up till the... Um, I've heard the, the end of it is pretty cool because they kind of tie everything together. But I, I only caught up till the Evil Doctor Strange episode, which I guess what was I've, tied to what the I've, movie. Well, I don't really know how that was. Not a hundred, I haven't seen I haven't seen Doctor Strange in the, in the very bad, no good day. <laughs> um, I... I I figured it out. Listen, it was hard to avoid knowing the general bend of that movie six months before the movie came out. <laughs> I was aware. Uh, and it's... And did it, Mar- I just, I don't have the energy. Yeah, Marvel wasn't hiding anything. Uh, but yeah, those multiverses turned out to be like three locations. So uh, not super exciting. Anyway. That sounds mad. That sounds <laughs> mad, Adam. No... We're talking about what if astonishing X Men. There's two stories, like there's a A story that's longer and then a kind of short B story, and then like some gags that's not, not aren't very good. Yeah, we should start with that. There are these little sort of Sunday funnies at the end uh, that are written by Mike Gallagher and drawn and lettered by Dave Manick, and uh, they're bad. Like they're not funny, and that is a shame because. Marvel does have uh, a history of at least sort of like lukewarm humor in things like what the, or, you know, some of the um, bullpen bulletins. Adam, Adam, I, I hate to break it to you. How old were you the last time you read what the, Oh, because I read them at 27. (laughs) Uh, I have more issues of what the, in my long boxes than I care to admit. And some of it is really, really poorly aged. And some of it is still kind of delightful. So it just depends. What though was annoying because <laughs> Marvel did it like they were mad magazine and had to use parody names of their own characters. And it was like, y- y'all, we get it, but I don't <laughs> come on. I don't need to hear about what bulk is doing bulk crush no hulk smash you, you own the ip it's the one thing you got going for you these are these are sub web comic oh yeah uh, level jokes like mike gallagher like is he from the gallagher gallagher's i don't understand <laughs> how did he get this gig he's uh, like hey hold on hold on brother <laughs> deep breath zach tell me it's the real gallagher no. 
Not the one you think. Is it the brother? No. Um, so he's the son of John Gallagher, who was a cartoonist and did stuff for like the Saturday Evening Post oh. and the American Legion magazine, like oh. magazine and did comics for a very long time. His brother, George Gatley, um, do you know what he did? I'm scared. It's it's not a homicide, is it? I can neither confirm nor deny if George Gatley did a homicide. He did make Heathcliff. Oh, get out! Wait, what? Okay. He abs. This is absolutely. So this is the guy who did Heathcliff's brother. Is that what we're talking about? His nephew. His nephew. His nephew. Uh, okay. His cousin. His cousin uh, apparently has continued Heathcliff. Uh, who is the current? By the way. Adam, do you have any feelings about... Yeah, Peter Gallagher is currently doing Heathcliff and has since 2001. Have you read a Heathcliff recently? Uh, it, when I have seen some of them, they are the most buckwild, confusing things I've ever seen in my life. And I'm not sure. Like, they seem to be made completely off of in-jokes that, I guess, are developed over time. There's, like, robots walking around or, like, I don't know, skywriting that spells out some kind of, like hip millennial slang it's very strange heathcliff is like a dadaist freaking (laughs) strip i don't understand it don't think it wants to be understood like i get why nancy is the way nancy is today that makes perfect sense it's great it's fun we all love Mm -hmm. it heathcliff is unknowable (laughs) yeah I want to buy. I want to buy a recent Peter Gallagher Heathcliff like day day by day calendar mm. for my desk in the office I never go to, so that I can be like, y'all understand, this is nonsense, <laughs> but it's beautiful artistic nonsense. Anyway, Michael should um, let his uh, let his family um, do do. Do that yeah, I mean, he may have other great work somewhere else, but this ain't it. Um, now, the... Michael wrote the ALF comic books for Marvel Comics. Wait, what? You know you know about the ALF comic books, yes. right? They tied into Evolutionary War? Yes, I have some right here. Hold on. I'm going to pull out my copy of ALF 44, the uncanned X-Melmen right here. This is the yes. same guy? This is the same Buddy. guy. It's the same guy. I'm just going to crack this open just to double check. This seems like maybe he uh, didn't, didn't age so well. Would you look at that? Michael Gallagher. Exposition. Hey, you, wow. You, you wonder You wonder who was... Uh, do you ever wonder who was doing Guardians of the Galaxy when uh, Jim Valentino left? No. Because <laughs> it's Michael Gallagher, baby. Okay. Well, all right, look. Having read multiple issues of Marvel's Elf comics, I can say there are some genuine laughs involved. This this is maybe just not a good time for Mike. <laughs> of all of the Gallagher's, he does seem to be the lesser of all all the Gallagher's in his family. It's obviously Peter's number one. How crazy is it that they're all like involved in cartooning and publishing like this though? That's it's great. We've not not that crazy that's that's what families do i think <laughs> i guess so yeah it's like a family business yeah. yeah um it's funny that we spent so much time talking about that uh there are 
two other stories here that I guess are the main events. One involves Jean Grey uh, being resurrected by Ord instead of Colossus. That one's by Jim McCann. So they're they're doing David Yardine. They're doing the thing from the first arc. They're doing the thing from the first arc where they're like, "Hey, this is what we were hinting at was happening is that actually Benetech is resurrecting Jean Grey. Turns out it's Colossus, you dummies." Mm-hmm. How did you know? We were only dropping every hint that it's Jean Grey. You know, honestly, the more I look into Joss Whedon's writing, I I do see the warts. I know Dr. Horrible's sing-along villain blog or whatever the heck it was had all of us like, oh, Joss is a nice guy. No, I think he might actually have some fundamental flaws in his story structure. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, Now, this is interesting art-wise. We have David Yardine doing the, I guess, the pencils here and then you've got a different artist by the name of hold on abraham robinson is that it uh it's abraham robertson well yeah so we've got multiple pencilers here but we also have paint digital or otherwise i'm not sure by uh kai spanith over top so a, a lot of this especially the yardine stuff is is very pretty it it's not really evocative of the cassidy stuff but um you know, when he draws the people of Breakworld, for instance, he's he's got the character models down. Um, but the story is really about Cassandra Nova possessing Emma Frost with the cuckoos to take over the Phoenix. And then Kitty Pride kills Emma Frost because, well, Kitty always thought she was a, a B-I-T-C-H. And there we go. That's it. It kind of sucks as a story. Yeah. I mean, some of the pages are pretty to look at. But, like, you know what I... I it really feels like um, that the writing is leaning into this, like these catty ladies, you know, Emma's jealous of Jean and Kitty hates Emma. And you're like, okay, 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 okay. But also if you are doing what if astonishing X-Men, that is, that is totally consistent with the work that Joss Whedon was doing on that book. Yeah. But I don't know. It, it, I feel like it it's, misses a little bit of, I'm not saying nuance, but because it's not like the, it was a very deep story that Whedon was telling, but I, like, I don't think, I don't think your instincts are wrong. I think you're, you're asking a cow why it moves. <laughs> you're, you, you are looking at this, but these are all the same flaws that are in Astonishing. Uh, the, the other big thing, and this is a question I have about why you would be doing a what if about this is Astonishing X-Men is a back-to-basics tale. Uh, It is a... Astonishing X-Men is a back-to-basics tale. It is, what's the most generic Paul Smith-ass X-Men we can be doing? So what if something happened from the generic X-Men? Brother, that's just called every other X-Men story. Like, you've given us nothing. It's it's just kind of boring. Um, However, it is better and more interesting and, and prettier than the second story which involves Ultron falling in love with danger. Nah. Yawn. What's weird about this is that this is really what if something happened in Runaways, the first arc of Runaways Volume 2. Yeah. Which, the the Victor Mach... Are you a Runaways guy? Did you read Runaways? I think I've read all of Volume 1. I don't know if I read Volume 2. All the, all the BKV stuff is good. Well... I'm pretty sure I've read the it's BKV good. run. I don't. 
I mean, did you get to the stuff with Victor? I think so. That this yeah, is Yeah, he's okay, that's Ultron's kid, right? Like uh, he's Ultron's kid. It's a joke. It's yeah. like he's in Victor, so they think he's Victor Von Doom's kid, and then he has magnet powers, so they think he's Magneto's kid. And then it turns out you're a robot, Victor. <laughs> I, that's not we. I'm not. I'm not worried about spoiling. Right I think ways. we'll be okay. Don't read. Oddly enough, don't read the Joss Whedon stuff where there's a weird child bride mm, that I never read. Uh, yeah. So I, they decide like, good. Hey, we're, we're gonna, you know, like an avatar, we're gonna, um, wrap our USB cables together. Um, that is how robots have sex. <laughs> That's true. Every time you plug in an HDMI, it is nasty. <laughs> Sparks are flying. They resurrect the, uh, evil sentinel monster that killed Genosha. And it's weird, like, this. these pages make it look like they kill the X-Men, but then the X-Men are still alive, so they try and, I guess, kill Danger and Ultron, but then they kill him again. I don't know, this is dumb. Danger and Ultron and the Wild Sentinel go out to space and have a family, and then the Watcher tells us that actually the Phalanx took over them, and guys, this would be a really bad thing to happen. We shouldn't have this. <laughs> it's a absolutely a wild ending. I don't understand it. I don't know why the Runaways are involved in this. It feels it feels like Matteo Castelli, who is not the artist, Matteo Castelli, uh, he's a different guy with a very similar Italian name. He just wanted to do a Runaways comic, and I get it. Who wouldn't? They're great. I love the Runaways. Gert, the other ones, <laughs> Molly, they're great. <laughs> I know who they are. I know are. you know who the runaways are. Um, yeah. So uh, I think all together, especially when these three are combined in uh, a J. Scott Campbell cover. Um, yuck. There. <laughs> this is I, not. Uh, this is a very weird, weird anthology com one shot that doesn't work at all from cover to cover. Who was asking for this? I don't I'm, know. Somebody at editorial. I'm just I'm just confused about so many of the choices that they made in this one. Yeah. And that's it's what it is. It's okay. It's is this Now we, sometimes you just got to publish comics because you got to make the quarter. <laughs> it's just you need you need something. You've already got enough and anything will do. Yeah, so I think the messiness of this probably makes it worse than What If Wolverine Enemy of the State. Uh, even though it does have some... The first uh, story that's here does have that that very pretty artwork on some of the pages. Um, but there's nothing really that redeemable about it. I don't know if it's as bad at like 603. We, uh, we're talking about Peter Milligan's Legion. I don't know if this is quite that bad. I am not going to defend either of those series, <laughs> so I'll take your word for it. Uncanny X-Men 442 to 443 of Darkest Nights. Which one is that? Yeah, that one's better. That's that's the one where where Lauren is like, Magneto was my real dad! Oh, that's yeah, that's Austin. That's the end of Austin. Yeah, that's better than this. Uh, Magneto Rex is worse than it. Okay, so this is going to be our new 602... And um, Asimov, fangirl, what have you done to us? What if you didn't select the story? Oh, right, you didn't. You selected a story we'd already done. So this is Honestly, this is I on think, us. I think I, I 
yeah, this one's this one's on <laughs> us, Asmofingo. We're really sorry. You're still our favorite. But, Adam, I think we turned out a very entertaining episode that was nominally about what-if stories. I agree. And mostly about you and me going off on tangents <laughs> that we care about. Which... This is podcasting, Zach. This is what people come and tune in for, is the tangents. I like to think... I like to think people come in for your and my charming rapport or tit-a-tat, unless because they think that we're going to be able to figure out uh, what the best and worst X-Men stories of all time are, or what the 602nd best the, is. Like, guys. It's really just the, the soothing comfort of our voices uh, bouncing back and forth to each other as you drive in your car, folks. You know, we know what it's all about. We've been we've been doing it for nearly five years. Wow. Name one... Name one X-Men podcast that's been doing it longer than us, and don't say Jane Miles. <laughs> I can't. You just stumped me. That's going to be super rude if any of our listeners are actually longer-term X-Men podcasters. Oh, no. Guys, we're sorry, but you have to understand. I don't listen to my own podcast. I'm not <laughs> listening to yours. You're all great. You're all the There's best. There's a podcast that's been around for 16 years going, You bastards! Been you know, you know, Adam. There is a there is a podcast that's been going for just about as long as ours. Oh yeah, uh, that is that is has just wrapped up. Mm. Uh, that is, of course, our friends uh, Chris Edelman and Christy Edelman of Chris's on Infinite Earths. Uh, Chris and Christy are longtime guests of the show. Uh, good personal friends of Adam and mine, mine, ours <laughs> of ours. And they are they are ending their fantastic show about event comics uh, that they do from their closet as a cute married couple. It, it the time the time has come for the final Chris's where they covering Final Crisis, mm-hmm. uh, which is delightful and I love it and I am I wish them well, and it is going to be sad for me to know that they aren't going to be in my podcast feed at all times. I will have to talk to my friends. <laughs> I can't just parasocially hang out with these people that I regular socially hang out with. I'll have to be like, ah, okay. Hey guys, what's going on? Hope everything's going great with you. <laughs> Hope the chrislets are okay. No, but Chris and Christy love you guys. Uh, thrilled for you. Sad to see you go, but thank you so much for the last little bit. Yeah. Uh, love Chris's on infinite earths. Uh, congratulations on, a great run. Thank you for having. I know I've been on at least a couple times. You, you, you were on a couple times. I was on at least once. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Not that that's what makes the show great. What makes the show great is you know the, the absolutely awesome. Um, <laughs> you talk about us having a rapport. You know, Chris and Christy are just delightful. So if for whatever reason you have never listened to Chris's, you have 120 something episodes to uh, binge. And enjoy every single delightful comic uh, cold open that they do as they turn themselves into characters and do voices and all kinds of fun scenarios. So um, definitely check that out when you have the opportunity. That wraps up our show. Thank you again, Asma Fangirl. I don't think you will mind us taking a moment to wish our Chris as well. Adam, anything you need to plug? No, folks, uh, check out uh, Arthur Stacy on Twitter and Zach next week. As I uh, insinuated earlier in this episode, we are talking about... We're talking about Deadpool, the X-Men character, Deadpool. <laughs> Everybody's favorite X-Men people, character. People like to say Deadpool's not an X-Men, and Deadpool's not an X-Men. Deadpool's kind of an X-Men character, though. And we're not going to do a random Scotty Young Deadpool issue. 
gonna do the stuff where he teams up with his friends the x-men there we go uh those are the ones those are the ones it'll be fun but until then folks this has been val the adam and we hope you survived the experience